He's to the 45. He's oh, to he's the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kamir Amrabian, joined by my co-host, Stephen Brown, and special guest today, kind of talking about some things you guys might be interested in, and Andy Facemeyer. Andy, how's life, man? It's it's pretty good. You know, I live in the part of Arizona where we get, like, rain regularly, uh, mm. and it's kind of like monsoon season right now, so it's been, uh, like, wet it's actually pretty good so we have none of that here it's actually pretty <laughs> miserable it's just yeah, hot it was six, it's like 60 degrees out right now like my friends in phoenix are not 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 having having it <laughs> like it is a death trap just stepping outside of the house i went on a jog today and it was a poor decision just a poor poor decision but steven what about you how are you Good. And I went went golfing yesterday. I'm not really a golfer. It's not my third time going ever. Uh, terrible decision. It's like 110 degrees outside. At least it felt like it. Like swamp ass after the second hole. Um, mm-hmm. Sunburnt. You know, you're you're drinking out there, but you're sweating so much that it's like hard to drink enough for you to really feel anything. Yeah, swamp ass after the second hole and in the number two hole too. I mean, it's, shot like it's 52 just... over something like that. Yeah. So it's not good. It's not good. And imagine it was fun though. It, it was fun. I remember the first time I we went down to Louisiana because it's humid as hell down here, down there. And I packed some pants. I packed jeans as well as shorts. I wore jeans for like 20 minutes and then had to change. It was pretty awful. And man, I'm 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 thankful for it being August and getting into September because I cannot do this stupid heat stuff. But we brought Actually, I reached, I reached out to Andy last night because I was like, okay, conference realignment. The Big 12 knows conference realignment. They lost Nebraska, Colorado, A&M, Missouri, the at TCU, West Virginia, and nobody else. So there's 10 teams in a conference called the Big 12. And I thought, hey, who better to really explain what the other side is like in feeling of conference realignment than... West Virginians that are spending their 10th year in the Big 12. They, I think they gained entrance in the 2011-2012 season. And so this will be a decade since the Mountaineers have really entered in and, and experienced the Big 12. And my first question, Andy, is this. The Big East ended. I remember the Big East. I remember being a decent conference for a while, especially with Miami being there. But I don't remember because you know I was such a big fan of OU in the in the Big Twelve. I don't remember how the Big East ended. So what what happened? If you could refresh our memories. So this is this is our our at least second or third round of being part of like a conference realignment. So it's becoming a little bit of old hat for us. Um, but the first you know the demise of the Big Big East really started with its inception. Um, because there was an un- there was a real unequal weight in the conference between the original members who were all basketball schools. Um, the Big East started back in like 1979, um, and it was a basketball conference. Uh, then they added football in 1991-92 when conferences really started becoming like a thing. When you know uh, a lot of independent schools left. A lot of that as aligned with the, the bowl structure and, and all of that. Um, and so the, the demise of the Big East really started at the beginning because there was always a really unequal weight between the the folks up in Providence who had been the basketball schools mm-hmm. uh, and those of us who were football. Um, and part of that was not everybody got it. Not all of the ba- football schools were in as full members. So... Virginia Tech wasn't until like 2001 or two, I think. Okay. Um, Miami was never treated as equal, despite you know carrying the football, 
conference on its back. Um, WVU wasn't, I mean, we were certainly kind of like outcasts uh, within the conference structure. We were the hillbillies. And so that really had like the, the beginnings of like what caused the conference to really fall apart. Um, and so when the ACC expanded in the mid 2000s uh, and they grabbed uh, Miami and Virginia Tech and eventually Boston College, um, the Big East responded in much the way that the Big 12 did in uh, 2011, 2012, and went and grabbed a whole bunch of schools from what was then Conference USA. Uh, and things were okay. I mean, that league was perfectly fine. Uh, it was not as strong as it had been, although I think probably Miami deeply regretted leaving the Big East um, because they found life in the ACC. Miami is definitely the cautionary tale, uh, much in the same way I think Nebraska is now. Uh, about that greener is that the grass is not always greener in the other conference, right? Um, but so then once the, the 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 tables like started spinning again in the last round of conference realignment, um, when the Big Ten and the, and the ACC and the SEC all expanded again, the Big East basically collapsed because mm. Louisville left, um, Syracuse and Pittsburgh were leaving. Uh, Rutgers was going to the Big Ten, and we sort of got caught in a position of also needing to get out as quickly as possible. Uh, and so we had jumped to the we jumped to the Big Twelve. Uh, TCU, like there was this whole period, this whole really weird period, where the Big East was trying to survive, and part of the whole thought process was going to be adding uh, TCU. Mm-hmm. There was conversations with Boise State. It was not a conference anyone really wanted to be part of. <laughs> right. And so we cashed our golden ticket and got to the Big 12. So the Big East really was like in a bad place because it was always the like junior brother as far as like did not have a truly elite team in it. Um, you know, after did not have like a, a prestige brand in it even after, you know, after Miami left, um, Virginia Tech, WVU, I, you know, I don't think we're a prestige brand that that, that may you know, upset some, some WBU fans, but it's true. We're not. Um, and so without that like prestige TV brand, we just weren't going to get the TV deal. And that the television is what, you know, drives all of this. And so that is what drove, you know, Pittsburgh and Syracuse into the ACC and all of the other sort of like things that happened. And so it was really just about that we didn't have the market power to, to control it. To a degree, again, some of that comes back to the start because the the original idea for the Big East would have been, would have had the original seven folks minus Temple and then add Penn State and Penn State wouldn't didn't didn't agree to sign on. Uh, Paterno killed the deal when he found out Miami was going to be part of it. So yeah, that's the only thing I can remember about <clears throat> how the Big East ended was. I remember hearing a lot about Miami leaving and that was all I really remember about the end of the big East, but Steven, what do you have? Yeah, I'm not too familiar with the big, big East and I'm sure there's some OU fans out there in the, in the same boat as me. So kind of walk us through, what was it like being a fan, um, you know, inside the big East when it was pretty clear that the big East was probably going to dissolve pretty quick. So, you know, we, it was, it was the same sort of feeling that we have now because we don't know, we're not in the position to know what's next. So it's this like place where you just have to kind of like hold your breath because we, we knew where we wanted to be. So once it was clear that the big East was probably going to fall apart, it was this like mad scramble to see who could find a landing place in another conference, right? Like what was going to be the future. And, and so our athletic director at the time, Oliver Luck, um, had a lot of connections to the Big 12, you know, very quietly, like it kind of surprised, I think almost everybody when that that decision was announced. Uh, but it was, it was like, you know, this is sort of like, uh, I guess a, a pop culture reference might be the, the ending of the first Lord of the Rings movie where like the fellowship is like kind of breaking up and like, Sam right, and, right. and Frodo end up in like a, a swamp or some such shit. So like, it was just, it's, it's a very, like, if you are not the con, if you are not the team that has its ticket punched, mm-hmm. it is a very 
anxious place to be for for fans in particular, but everyone because there's such stakes involved. You know, you can look at you know look at what ha- look at where South Florida is now. Mm. You know, they were in 20. You know, at, at, as the Big East was like as they had really came into their own in the Big East, and they were you know a rising star in the world of college football and not really now even cincinnati is kind of you know they've had a couple good seasons uh you know they had a good season last year but they're still on the outside looking in and the money difference is just you know that's what's huge like the conference money deals are just like i think the the aac gets like maybe eight or nine million a, a team compared to like the 32 million we're getting as a big as a big 12 team so like just that difference alone. And so knowing that you might get, you know, dropped off into oblivion is not necessarily a great place to be. So it's it's really just, you know, this feeling of like, well, what's next? You know, are we gonna, you know, can we, you know, continue to 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 be where we wanna be or are we going to be, you know, a second tier team now? And going off of that, because I think Kansas I think they know where they're going to end up, or at least they're going. They know they're going to have a soft landing because of their hoops. And Texas obviously is on their way to the SEC as well. But what advice would you have for the fans of established Power Five programs, such as maybe Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State, that have been in a Power Five conference for quite a while? What advice would you have for those fans? So uh, you know, I think the easiest, the, the first thing to accept is that that no one gives a shit. Like no one else cares. Like that's that's gonna be my first thing to like <laughs> that you need to come to some level of like zen about the fact that no other conference cares about no other school cares. Nobody gives a shit. Like it is it is one hundred percent they are all in it for themselves. They also don't care about like your academics. No one gives a shit that you won the Gasparilla Bowl. Um, like no one cares about those things. Those are not super important. I would also say that unless you're Kansas, don't ever mention basketball as like something that's going to get you into a conference. Kansas <laughs> is like the only one of the the like eight of us left that can make an argument based upon the fact that Kansas basketball ha- is strong enough of a brand, right, to like be worth something to mm. a, to another conference. But that said, their football is like a morgue. Like, mm-hmm. definitely, <laughs> like, like radioactive. Like Kansas football is actively terrible. I don't think that matters because, like, they can just be like I don't know Vanderbilt or something. So, like, there, there's a layer of that. So, I think that's probably my first piece of advice is like that you need to come to like some terms that nobody else cares outside of your fan base. Um, that the other fan bases were more concerned about what's going on with us and. If we get our ticket punched, thank you. Have a nice day, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I would say the other thing is, that, like, you as a fan, like, unless you happen to be, like, related to a conference commissioner or be a really big donor, you have, like, so little agency in what's about to happen to your team that you need to just kind of like let go a little bit <laughs> like mm. and i know that in the, the ultra rational world of college sports fandom that's not going to be easy and i'm i'm certainly guilty of it too um but like that's the like the level of zen that you need to have you need to just like reach this level of zen where you're just along for the ride and things will be a lot smoother i promise like if you just kind of accept that yeah, you might end up in the Mountain West Conference or the Fun Belt or Conference USA, and that you are probably never going to win a national title at, at most of these schools. And it doesn't really matter except that. So and I know that's not easy. I know that's not like a, a an easy thing to like come to terms with, but that's that's my advice, I think, is that you know, you don't have a lot of agency and I think sports fans in general would would be well served by learning how little agency we really have. <laughs> I think we would be well served by, by a lesson in in that. So, well, you mentioned uh, ultra rational fan bases, so let's let's go to one of the the more rational fan bases in the Big Twelve with uh, with Baylor and TCU. You know, not being 
kind of a traditional power five team. <laughs> what advice do you have for these two programs? Because they do have some money there um, as far as just donors, but they don't really have a brand. So I think TCU is probably in the way better position. I would way rather be TCU than Baylor. And I'll, I'll, I guess I will get the, say the good things about TCU first. So I think as an institution, TCU is, despite having the name Christian in it, is not really. Um, <laughs> You're more like they're a not, like, they're, they're more or less a secular yeah. institution. Um, and that plays out in ways that make them more attractive to other conferences. They're also in a much bigger market. They're in the, the Dallas-Fort Worth market. Um, they do have some a lot of donor money hanging around. Um, they have really nice facilities. I, I think the problem for them is that they have a very small living alumni base. Um, I have a friend who's a TCU fan, and he was he was kvetching to me about like some of his friends who are like, "Oh yeah, we're, we're going to go to the Pac-12," and he's like, "There's no way. There's no way. Like the Pac-12 does not have an interest in a a, a group that has an alumni base of like less than twelve of less than a million people, and." is not a top you know 100 academic school they have some standards in the back well so i think for 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 tcu i think that like i would say to them i think you're going to be all right you may not land in in the acc or the pac-12 but i think they would be well positioned to end up in probably you know if if the if the big 12 just falls apart which i i think is increasingly likely um I think they'll probably end up in like the the ACC uh, or not ACC, the AAC, the American Conference, mm -hmm. which will be well supported by ESPN from all you know from everything that has came out. The, the the you know they're willing to pay some money, and I think that'd be a good place for them. I mean, that's the the American Conference has some really good football in it. Um, a lot of you know regional. Would you know it would essentially be for for them a step back? I think in a way in prestige, but if the Pac-12, if the if the Big Twelve falls apart, then it's the Power Four. And, and the other thing is that like the playoff structure is going to make a big difference because right now there's no guaranteed auto bids. Right, it's just the six highest right. ranked champions and then six at larges. So if you're TCU, you probably are okay with the money difference. Um, you can probably survive. If you're able to get an, uh, an American conference money deal that gets you, let's say, to $20 million a year, they're probably okay. And so I think TCU fans probably can be a little less worried. I think Baylor fans should be exceptionally concerned. I agree. And I think they are. I think they understand that things have consequences. Um, it's probably <laughs> their biggest. Oh no, the consequences true. of my own actions. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Damn these woke football conferences. Um, I think Baylor's in real trouble because Baylor has a reputation of off the field issues mm -hmm. that are abhorrent. As an institution, they're not attractive to most other of the conferences that are going to be interested in them. I, I, and I say that I don't know how the AAC, the ACC would feel about them. I get the sense they would not be interested in Baylor. Right. Um, and so that leaves really the Pac-12, who I know absolutely has <laughs> zero interest yeah, in Baylor. That, that's correct. So that, like Baylor is probably, and I'm willing to guess that it was Baylor who leaked the the documents to Bowlesby. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very willing to, to like go out and get them. It is well, a Baylor. It, it's yeah. because they're they are the only people of that group of us who has no like future. That's true. That <laughs> like, is very true. Yeah. Like they're about to fall off of a, a like. They are definitely one of the the kids that's going to get left behind now. Would they be part of an American conference deal? It's possible. But that's going to be a big step back for Baylor. I mean, that's going to be where Baylor should have been, you know, in the ninth. Like, I mm -hmm. think the inclusion of ba like we all know the inclusion of Baylor in the Big 12 was really political. Like, they only got in because uh, uh, of Ann Richards. Like, that was the only reason they got they got in in the first place. And, and right. it's a school that, like, you know, the the... I, I wrote this at the end of the at the at the end of the the basketball season. 
you know, Baylor's basketball team was incredible. That was one of the best basketball teams I've seen in a long, long time. And I, 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 I won't, I won't congratulate the Baylor fans. I won't congratulate the University of Baylor. None of them deserve that. Baylor does not deserve to have a college sports program. That is, that is, I will go that far. They, they should have been death penalties for everything that has gone on in that program. I mean, the, the, the Dave Bliss shit was enough that you should probably yeah. have gotten a death penalty for the Dave Bliss stuff. Unbelievable. Like, Unbelievable. So, um, like, yeah, so I think Baylor's probably in the worst shape of everyone, and I think they should just be, like, maybe having some reflection. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's some reflection. Like, maybe the, the whack or the fun belt. But, you know, what I thought was interesting is that West Virginia, at the very end of the Big East, they were actually really good, uh, game away, uh, losing to, I think, Larry Fitzgerald's team from going and competing in the national title. Uh, Pat White and never happened. Yeah, oh, you had to due to the war. Yeah, oh, you had to play them, so it was not very fun for the Sooners in the Fiesta Bowl. But kind of looking at at that, eventually joining the Big Twelve as a team in a new conference, kind of you know feeling out who's who, who's good, who's bad, who's middle of the road, who might be a a uh, I guess viable rival kind of down the road. What was it like as a West Virginian fan, a fan of the Mountaineers going to a new conference? What, what are the first couple of years? Like, what do you establish who rivals are? Do you just try to get a feel for the conference? What is that situation like? So for us, it was, it was a big adjustment. I mean, it was a, it was a big adjustment and not just in, in football. Like in all of our sports, it was a fairly big adjustment. Um, not only to just like, let's be fair, the level of competition in, in football was a big step up. Um, not as much in, in basketball. I think, you know, you, you could have a pretty good argument about the Big East basketball conference at its at, at any point being the mo- one of the most competitive. The, although I'll, I'll get to uh, one thing on that in just a second, but I would say that like it was a big period of adjustment to get used to not only just the level of competition, the style of competition. Obviously, Big Twelve football is played in a was played in a really different way than than Big East football. So that had some some things that we had to work ourselves through. We had to change our whole recruitment philosophy. That played out in a lot of different ways because. It was. It became harder for us to do certain things in recruitment because we didn't. We weren't playing in front of, you know, kids weren't going to get a chance to go, you know, have their family see them as often, you know, in person because we weren't playing our regional, you know, uh, a regional schedule as much anymore. You know, we weren't going to, um, and that that really played out. I think more in basketball than football. Didn't football a little bit? Like Florida recruiting really suffered for us for a while. And part of that was Dana's fault. That's that's I, I don't I'm not of the throw Dana uh, under the bit under the the bus kind of the crowd, but he didn't focus on Florida recruitment. And I don't know if that was his fault so much as like we weren't playing in Florida every year. Like we played at least a game in Florida every year in some fashion, whether that was going to be a bowl game or a an away game. So it was a lot easier to recruit down there, and we had a whole pipeline. And so that certainly changed having to kind of recenter ourselves, you know, build a whole network in Texas recruiting. And so I think that made a big difference for us, I think, but also getting used to the travel that we were going to have to do. Like our road, tra- our road travel was huge compared to what it used to be. And, and as a fan, that was a big difference too. You could usually, you know, back when we were in the big East, um, you know, you could reliably count on being able to drive within five to eight hours, most of our road games, you know, only, you know, really the the furthest road games we would have is, you know, maybe once a year, you know, either Syracuse or Boston college and then the Miami game, but pretty much everything else was going to be like pretty drivable. So like as a fan, that's become a big issue that, and it is a big issue. Like we, you know, we used to be really a, a fan base that traveled really, really well. And we just don't as much anymore because now instead of, you know, driving and grabbing a hotel or, or you sometimes you can just do it in one day, 
you know, if you're going to go to any of our conference rivals now, you've got to fly. So, right. um, so that 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 is a fan made a big difference, I think, and and just kind of getting used to how things were going to work in this new league. But also, I think we were pretty happy to be there. Um, we were excited to be part of the conference, um, and I think it gave us like a new lease on life uh, in a lot of ways, and just like. We were just kind of happy, happy to be there. So we weren't, you know, gonna, you know, <laughs> we weren't huge assholes about anything. So, right, and, and this is what year number ten, I guess, went since uh, West Virginia joined, and they joined at a time. It's kind of weird when when the Big Twelve was used to competing for championships. I mean, you had Texas winning in two thousand five, Oklahoma competing in two thousand eight, Texas competing competing in two thousand nine, I believe, somewhere around there. So. Um, if you had to sum up the experience as far as what West Virginia, what it was like in the Big 12 going into a conference that competed for championships and then had a really bad first, you know, 2010 to 2015 kind of season, what was that like for West Virginia? Was it what kind of the fans expected? Was it more? Was it less? Um, take, so kind of take us through that journey. I think our fans had gotten really used to us. You know, we had won – we had won at least 10 games every year, like nine or 10 games every year since like 2005. And suddenly we're like a seven and five, you know, middle of the road kind of like club. And, and I think that has taken some adjustment. Uh, and I think that has taken just a little bit of adjustment for our fans to get used to because we were the big fish in the small pond uh, in the big East. You know, for uh, after Miami left, we were the fish in the pond. Um, after Miami and Virginia Tech left, we were, you know, essentially like the the only, you know, team with national sort of recognition. So coming into the Big 12 and struggling has was not easy. Uh, I think our fans did struggle with it. I think it made it harder, too, because we didn't have like, like, great we oh, so we beat kansas Woo! like there's less care like there wasn't see even when we were not necessarily a great team before there were a couple games that we could bank on that if you beat Pitt, it made your whole season right, right? like you could have a, an off year but if you beat Pitt, um well you weren't going to beat penn state but that's another that's a whole other story but like if you beat Pitt, if you beat maryland virginia tech any one of those three games your season was was not nearly as big of a disaster. And so like going seven and five against, you know, big 12 teams, it's like, well, who cares, right? Like, I think that's been the hardest thing for our fans and even me, you know, and I think we've talked about this one uh, on our site, at Smoking Musket, about how it's it's been a lot harder for us to care about anything because it's just like, none of these, I, I don't hate anyone in the big 12 at the level Mm-hmm. that I hated half of the Big East. <laughs> like, okay. Virulent hate for most of the teams that we played because we played them all the time and there was like a regional rivalry and, you know, most of our series went back, you know, 50, 60 years. You know, we'd been playing Pitt for over 100 years. Syracuse, we've been playing regularly since the 40s. Um, you know, Virginia Tech, again, regularly since the 60s. Um, so, you know, most of our, the teams that we played, we were, we played them for a long, long time and had a lot of history with them. And then we come into the, the big 12 where I'm trying to think who of the big 12 teams we had the most games with. And I think it was, I feel like it's Oklahoma. Maybe I think mm-hmm. we had maybe played you more than anybody else in the conference at the point that we joined it. So That's not last year. <laughs> right, right. We did lose to Oklahoma with a successful yeah, season. That um, is, it is. But so going off of what you just mentioned about, you know, kind of comp- comparing and shaping up with the rest of the Big 12 and uh, you really like having a hatred for certain teams in, in the Big East. <clears throat> it's been a decade since the Mountaineers have been in the, there have been admitted and started playing football in the Big 12. The Mountaineers, the fan base have they've gotten to know the fan bases of the other fan bases around the Big 12. 
I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. I want you to first give us a top three best fan bases in the Big 12. And you can include, of course, the Mountaineers. They they do fun things out there in Morgantown. And then I want you to give us a bottom three fan bases that you just despise, that you can't stand, that they're the worst, etc. So what are your three best and what are your three worst? So I would say, uh, I, and I'm a little bit biased because I have like, multiple friends from from who are who are sooners uh so i, I would say oklahoma's fan base is great they, you guys have always been fun to, to hang out with and uh you know anytime i know folks who have gone to oklahoma had a great time um and you know you guys always show up and and when you're when you were in town you know you always brought huge crowds and it was just it was a good time it felt like like what college football is supposed to feel like so i would say you know, Oklahoma has a great fan base. Uh, I'm not going to rank WVU, but I would say um, I'd also say Kansas State fans are fantastic. They're the uh, nicest people. They are super cool. Like they would cut. They when the Kansas State fans came to town, it was such a great like great experience. They were another one that just like you know jumped into the tailgates with you and just like chilled out and were super cool. And that's why um, I feel so bad about them possibly being left out of realignment. Yeah. Because they are nice people. <laughs> they have a good, yeah, they have a nice family program. Yeah, and I think program. they also kind of know where they exist in the pecking order. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, I would say, you know, I have some friends who are who are Texas Tech fans, and they're good folks too. Um, you know, I think they're, we, we, we didn't, we had some issues with them in basketball once, mm-hmm. um, but that was neither here nor there. So I would say, you know, at Texas Tech, I thought they were good folks and, and fun to be around. Um, Iowa State, we've got a great sort of like blogger uh, blogger rivalry with with Ride Wide Right and Natty Light. Those are good guys too, and and the Iowa State folks tend to be pretty cool too. So that's probably our closest rival thing to a rivalry in this okay. conference. So, um, who are the three worst that you just like, just, you can just shit on them. Who are the three worst? Oh, that's, that's, that's the way easier question. And I think you will agree with all three of these. (laughs) Um, first of all, Baylor, because like, not only are like everything we've already said about Baylor, but every experience I had with a Baylor fan was them not realizing no one cared and that they are not like some hot shit. Like mm-hmm. the Art Briles era Baylor yeah. fans were like high level of terrible. Yes, there's still some out there with the cab cab hats and cab shirts. Gosh, just, just Champ- champions are built, you know. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the uh, Texas fans, like, I just want them to get over themselves, mm-hmm. and I'm going to deeply enjoy them going to the SEC. And then I would say Oklahoma State fans. Wow. What what like, what about what about them? Definitely most recently. I, I just <laughs> I can't I can't quite place it. But like I mean, I guess I would say Kansas basketball fans are pretty terrible. Okay. In part because they are really up their own ass about like Kansas's actual performance and that they get, you know, lots of calls. But I would say I'm gonna go with Oklahoma State, I think is my third. But I, I don't choices. have any I yeah, don't have choices. as much of an argument against, you know, them or TCU or really Kansas. It's it's really Baylor and Texas are the only mm-hmm. are the two that really just stand out as like I think that's really fair. Steven, do you agree with that? I think that's all very fair. Baylor is my worst fan base in the entire Big 12. I should remember one of the worst fan bases in college sports. It's like going to the Big 12 title game, and they were all so entitled for no reason because they had never been there realistically ever. And they're like acting like they're the best. I I can't stand it. I think I swapped OSU and Texas Tech fans, though, for my list. I yeah, I would have too. Uh, I I've had poor, very very poor interactions with. But OU and Texas Tech. I mean, they have, they they have some beef there with Mayfield, so that yeah. kind of adds to the, the argument. It's true. 
Um, Andy, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, tell us where we can find all your stuff and what we could be looking forward to you from the future. Great. Yeah. So you can, uh, you can find my work at, uh, smoking musket, the, the WVU SB nation site. And, uh, hopefully later this weekend or, or early Monday, I will have a sort of narrative version of kind of this conversation. Um, Zen and the art of conference realignment, I believe is what we are going with, uh, as the working title. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit, uh, a little bit more in depth about, you know, uh, some things to be aware of as this as this all plays out over the next you know couple months should be fun and it'll be an interesting season no doubt but thank you for coming on and i'm sure we'll talk again this season previewing the game that should maybe happen this time around who knows um i, 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 I got corona coming in it's yeah, early yeah. enough in september that <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah, we'll yeah. be able to get the game in so, so we'll, we'll see man but thanks for coming on and we'll see you next yep. time okay yep all right so steven regarding everything that andy just said what are you thinking about what, what were the big takeaways here I think a lot of it, I mean, when you talk about getting away from your recruiting grounds and especially when he talked about, you know, not being able to recruit Florida um, as much just because they don't play a game there anymore. Right. Um, I think one of the big worries when he talked about um, this isn't maybe directly towards the SEC, but when you talked about realignment in Oklahoma and the Big Ten, that was one of maybe the most troubling issue for Oklahoma as far as just getting away from the recruiting ground. So when you relate, uh, relate this to Oklahoma and switching conferences and now playing two uh, potentially two big games in Texas where they recruit pretty heavily um, year in and year out, that's, that's a big benefit for Oklahoma. And I think that should maybe calm some nerves about realignment as far as recruiting. Yeah, and one of my big takeaways from Andy – was what he said earlier. He said he literally said, "Nobody gives a shit about your feelings regarding conference right. realignment." And that's honestly that that article. I reached out to him and I said, "Hey, listen, West Virginia knows this better than anybody else. They got to the conference ten years ago. It's about to blow up one more time. Can you like write an article for the other fan bases in the Big Twelve to really understand and experience what is about to happen to you if you're not OU or Texas? What?" KU, they've got a good, good landing spot. West Virginia, likely have a great landing spot in the ACC. The other six don't know where they're going to end up. I know some of them will end up in Power 5 conferences, and some of them will end up in the WAC or the, or the Fun Belt or the AAC. Regardless, that was one of the things that really got from me is that nobody cares. Like, yeah. so, sorry, Oklahoma State president of, of, of their institution. I'm sorry you feel betrayed. This is, this is not... This is not a backstabbing. This is one individual institution doing better by themselves. And we mentioned this before we came on the podcast that when OU and all of them were looking at maybe moving to the Pac-12 or, or the Pac-10 when it was called, or maybe moving to the SEC, that the SEC was not going to want OSU. And the same thing if they were going to go right. to the Big Ten a few years back, they were not going to want OSU. So this thing was going to be, it was going to rear its ugly head like sooner or later so that was one of the things I got from, from Andy. But Sooners, the Regents, they took a vote. The SEC votes 14 to nothing publicly in acceptance of, of the Oklahoma Sooners and the Texas Longhorns. Uh, the Regents vote unanimously. Then uh, President Joe Harrows sends out an email saying basically, hey, you know, hey, we're going to the SEC. As soon as the vote was taken, they say, welcome to the SEC. Might as well have said, welcome to the fucking show. Um, <laughs> what, what was, what are your thoughts here? How excited are you? What, what are you expecting for Oklahoma's first year in the SEC? Because I've been thinking about it. Oklahoma this year, they're stacked on offense right. and defense next year. They're losing stuff in the trenches. I don't know if Jalen Redmond comes back. LeBron Stokes is not coming back. Perian Winfrey is likely not coming back. I'm a little anxious for next year's defensive line, but what is your overall thought when that went down along with next year in the SEC, most likely what you expect to really happen? 
I think if you're not excited about the the move to the the SEC, then you're you just don't get the big picture here because um, one, it's going to be great football, and it's not going to be winning every time, but it's going to be some really fun football, some really fun home games, some really fun away games, um, and those are going to happen every single season. I mean, you're not going to have to wait for one. You're not going to wait for a late kickoff, a six thirty kickoff that's going to be there for you, if not a, a two thirty kickoff. So. Um, you don't have to wait to see what your schedule is and what those times are and then try to kind of put a little propaganda out there that it's going to be a big game and we need all the fans here and there's going to be a ton of recruits. You don't have to wait for that anymore. That's going to happen naturally. That's going to happen week in and week out for you. So um, on that respect, it's big. On the other hand, I thought they really kind of emphasized one point and it's that if we didn't make this move, if OU doesn't make this move, then we're fucked. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to fall behind in a big way. And I think, I think someone on the athletic kind of broke it down that even if the big 12 had expanded, um, let's say, was it 2016, 2017, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. Yeah. 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 Um, it still probably wouldn't have survived because there's just not enough schools paying for themselves. So, you know, this opportunity to go to the SEC, go to a conference where all these programs, they have rabid fan bases. They have a lot of money um, going into those programs and to join them and enhance your your payout by you almost double it, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. It's a big deal. And as far as going into the SEC football wise, you are going to have to prove a point. You're going to have to recruit some bigger bodies, um, especially on the back end of the secondary. Um, that defensive line, we'll see kind of what it looks like. It's probably going to lose some bodies, some, some, some big guys there. Um, but you know, at the same time, Oklahoma has some time to prepare for that. So, um, let's say they move to the SEC next season. Um, you do have some, you know, some bodies there, some young guys that are just have to step up a little bit earlier than, than you kind of want, but it's feasible that they can go in and be competitive right away. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I just forgot to mention while you guys are in here, like viewing on Facebook or on Periscope, wherever you're viewing, maybe on YouTube, uh, you guys can slide questions and random comments like in the actual app and we can get them and respond to them. I totally forgot to mention that. But yeah, I know I, I agree. And I think it was the Iowa State athletic director or somebody that was basically like, yo, if it was just OU, uh, if OU, if you take OU in Texas, the rest that that conference doesn't survive fiscally. There's no money right. to go around. They're making Mountain West money, they said. And so he said the quiet part out loud. And it's just, it's unreal to me. And so let's go on to talking about ESPN and realignment. There are a couple of different ESPN headlines this week regarding one regarding Kirk Herbstreit on Sports Center, one regarding Bob Bowlesby accusing <laughs> ESPN, Disney, of meddling with other teams to get them to go to the other conferences to destroy the Big 12, which has been falling apart for the last 15 years. And then ESPN sends back a scathing letter, basically like saying, you're a liar. You don't know what you're talking about. Oklahoma, if everything goes according to plan, of course, Oklahoma should finish this season undefeated or one loss in the Big 12 title game. And Oklahoma most likely will be in that Big 12 title game and should win depending upon the talent that they have. Oklahoma is going to have to take that trophy from Bob Bowlesby. But <laughs> regardless, what is this scene? That, doesn't this scene from Bob Bowlesby just look rather sad? Doesn't it look really desperate and horrible for the conference rather than trying to keep it all together? It seems really like, I don't know, it just it gives off very negative, sad, kind of pitiful vibes. The thing that sticks out the most is Bob Bowlesby might actually have a point here with ESPN kind of maybe meddling and it's not maybe direct, but they've had a hand in it for sure. Um, But the sad thing is he's just now kind of getting out of his chair to step up for the big 12. Right. When people have been asking him for five, six, seven years to do something, kind of enhance this conference, give it a voice, give it an image. Um, They go through the realignment. Instead, it's you can't do horns down. Can't do horns down. You signed a a TV contract. It is what it is. All of a sudden, you know, everything starts piling up year after year. 
and you have Oklahoma and Texas suddenly announcing, hey, we're not going to resign, by the way. And by the way, we're going to go to the SEC next week. Um, that he should have seen that coming from two miles away. Yep. And it's just like, where have you been the past five, six years? Now all of a sudden your job's on the line and you're going to send that letter out. It's just like, like, who are you? Cause you're not, you're not a big 12 commissioner. You're just a guy that's collecting paychecks. And all of a yep. sudden you realize that you hadn't done anything and your job's gone. The man waited too long to be an actual leader of a conference, unlike Greg Sankey, unlike Slive, the former commissioner over at the SEC. Uh, it, it, he waited too long to actually have the balls to literally do anything. And like he even had dudes from like when they were thinking about expanding and getting more money before this conference, because we talked about this a while ago. The conference was like on the verge of maybe dissolving when they were thinking about adding Memphis, BYU, UCF. Uh, Houston, etc., just to get that money. And they had, because the Big 12 kind of headquarters is right next to the AAC's headquarters, they are like 20 minutes away, not even. And they had a lot of those schools come down to them, do a good old song and dance for them. And then at the end of the day, you know, of course, Cincinnati as well, at the end of the day said, no, nah, we're good. We're not going to expand. Are you kidding me? And so this is just poetic justice from my point of view that Bob Bolsby has done nothing to help the conference. He has only done things to make the conference conference kind of like look like a joke from the rest of the outset of the country. I mean, heck, OU. And that that's another thing that I have, like I'm going off on tangents. OU has only said, bro, we're fine with being the flagship program of the Big 12 for several years. The back is hurting because they constantly carry the conference. Can we have less 11 a.m. kickoffs, especially ones for like the game of the century? That's like a 50 year kind of, you know, project, a 50 year, you know, anniversary of that. Can we do that? And not even getting that as the team that has consistently gone, to the, the only one that's gone to the college football playoff, the only one that's won 14 out of, you know, the last however many Big 12 championships there, there are. Can you just not afford one thing? And now that all the cards are down, OU and Texas say, dude, I'm out. Now he wants to do something? That infuriates well, me. The other thing is like back, I think this was last October, maybe November, something like that, um, when they kind of tasked a group to go out and say, approach ESPN and Fox and say, hey, you know what? what do we need to do as a conference to start this early negotiation? Do we have what it takes? What do we need to work on? What do we need to improve to get that conversation going? And when ESPN and Fox said no, that should have been a big alarm that something's going to happen this summer. Oh, that's ridiculous. And Kirk Herbstreit on Sports Center says, and he, it's a quote, I hate losing to the tradition of the sport. I've always been, I guess, naive to it. I've tried to be the guy who clearly thinks people uh, who, who thinks people care about the tradition and rivalries. Clearly the decision makers don't it's an arms race and it's about the money. Are we ignoring the fact that Oklahoma can strike up their rivalry? It's not even an official rivalry back up with Arkansas, something that Oklahomans and Arkansas fans just hate each other in general. That'll be a great rivalry. Oklahoma carries its Texas rivalry. Everybody every year cares about the red river shootout. You don't hear people saying, oh, yeah, Bedlam's one of the best rivalries in the country. It's not. OU's won 90% of those games. That's not a rivalry. That's just an ass beating. And in oh, Texas, by the way, reclaiming their, their rivalry with Texas A&M, which is fantastic. OU linking up with Missouri that actually has a rivalry trophy. And then it gives, it gives more room to go make rivals with LSU. That'll be a great game every year. Or Alabama. It gives a lot of room to create more rivalries, to create more entertaining games and prospects. And also, yes, there's cash involved. Like, if do you th do you think Kirk is wrong here? Do you think I'm wrong? Like, wh what do you? What are your thoughts here? Um, I mean, I can see Kirk's point of view, and that the Big Twelve kind of had its history as far as in the early 2000s as being like the conference you have to win to go to the national title game. But yeah, early 2000s was great, but then. Colorado's out. Nebraska's out. Right. Uh, everybody else went out. And you add TCU, you add West Virginia, and I'm not trying to bag on those guys, but you had TCU and West Virginia called the Big 12 with 10 teams, and you say, oh, 
oh, poor tradition, even though you lost Nebraska, Colorado, A&M, and Mizzou? Like, wh why, it, why so much issues That's here? the part that's ignored because the thing is, like, the Big 12 was dead a long time ago. The Big 12 is I agree. like a, uh, a superior conference. As a top one-two conference was dead a long time ago. Um, but you also make a good point that those rivalries are still there with Missouri and Arkansas, and you can just create new ones. I mean, a rivalry just doesn't exist. It has to be created. So um, this is an opportunity for Oklahoma to go in and kind of revive the Arkansas rivalry, uh, get back into games with Mizzou, and then also make, you know, potentially make some new rivalries against a fan base. You could be like your Texas Tech game, essentially. Everyone hates Texas Tech as an OU fan because it's just a tough place to play because those people are crazy. So, I mean, does it suck for – you know, not seeing OU and Kansas State play because of the Bill Snyder connection. Those games are always pretty memorable. Yeah, that's going to suck. But you have the opportunity to increase your value and, you know, go into some new – the future and make some new rivalries there. It's a good – yeah, and I, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I agree, and I think that's the part people are missing, especially – Oklahoma State fans. Uh, we got a comment from Treva. Treva says, "Okay, who's who? I follow you on media. Three, I'll th follow you on all the media times. Uh, I'm Kamiar, and the guy to my right in the boxes. Oh, by the way, it's mirrored is Steven. But some fans are rather unhappy. It's the OSU folks. Oh man, Steven, it's especially Doug Gottlieb, who." is a world-class idiot and unironically like you got to you get you've seen what he's been at, at, at today right yeah i kind of engage with a little bit and i think this is kind of gives it some perspective you remember uh oh the the brent clark guy on on twitter who Refresh. always used to comment on everything Yes, yes, yes. Um, he finally makes a good point, and I, I kind of engage with Gottlieb a little bit, and he just replies to me and says, oh, he needs to walk away from this emotional rant by OU partisans. I mean, he's, he's right. It's it's a thing. OU does no dealings in this. OU did what was right for themselves, what was right for the state, by the way, and bring in quite a bit of money with this SEC move. Um should OSU fans be upset? Yeah, because you're going to lose your standing in the in the national rankings. You don't have a place to land just yet. We think it's going to be the ACC or the Pac-12, but we don't know for sure. Do you um, think they found out how much they're they were not worth and are now panicking? Because you notice the quietest people in the room are West Virginia in Kansas and of course OU in Texas and thank God for Texas taking like 99% <laughs> of this blowback by the way because they're just leaning into it oh, and you the fine bomb it's like two or three Texas fans calling and just embarrass themselves it's, it's amazing it's wonderful and OU's kind of like hanging in the back just re raking in and of course like they get shots subtle shots here occasionally but I mean I'm looking at Gottlieb and this guy he's saying he says this OU has done irreparable harm to their brother institution. They played in the same league since 1920. It's not true. And they played football since <laughs> 1910. Uh, that's before when OSU stole a national title from uh, the service academy. So while they were at war, by the way. And he says that OU should have just not gone to the SEC and looked out for their brother and OSU. How do you feel about that? That's stupid. That's stupid because if OU doesn't make that SEC move, the Big 12, the new Big 12 contract would have been most likely less than what they're getting right now because those schools can't pay for themselves. So um, when OU took that that step to go to the SEC, what they did was obviously the school's going to make more money, mm -hmm. but it's going to bring in more money to Norman. It's going to bring in more money to Oklahoma City. It's going to bring in a lot – um, more viewership because you're moving from as far as viewers, you're going from what four states to like eight, nine yeah, states yeah, like that. Yeah. So it's going to be vastly more money for everybody outside of Oklahoma state. So, which doesn't it, make sense. It's just unbelievable to me. Like, I think they, they call, they call Oklahoma selfish. Okay. That's the issue I have right here. They say Oklahoma's so selfish. How dare they look out for their own self-interests? 
and but expect Oklahoma to do things out of their out of not their best interest in order to help other schools stay alive in the Big 12. Like unironically saying, because Gottlieb says this, if OU says no, OSU and OU are far more viable in the Pac-12, the Big 10, the ACC. He says there's a bigger picture. There's right and wrong. And then there are dudes who are just OU homers who want to stick out their chests, not realizing that they don't actually know the business. And it's ironic because he talks about just people that want to stick out their chest and just talk a bunch of trash and just like, oh, I'm much more important than I am. Hello, how are you unironically saying this? OSU is less important than they, than they than they just found out. They found out they are less important than they actually are on the national scale. They always constantly talked about, we're not riding the coattails of OU. We're not riding the coattails in Norman. And then once the rug has been pulled out from underneath them, have quickly found out they, they indeed were riding the coattails of OU. And I thought it was interesting. Shreva says that wearing OU gear uh, in, in Atlanta right now is like being like <laughs> a celebrity, which I am so excited to go down to Louisiana. I'm going to the Tulane game. I will probably stay somewhere in New Orleans and we'll be wearing OU stuff and be like, hey, see you next year kind of kind of situation. And so kind of to wrap this podcast up, recruiting. Does this give OU a mad? OU is going to go to the go to the SEC. Does this give OU a big push, a strong, a, a strong closing, um, I guess, closing call at the end of this year's cycle and into next year's cycle regarding, hey, Lincoln Riley can sell not just his offense, they can sell not just the, the defense is improving. Now it can sell you one. Hey, we're going to the SEC. This is the best conference in the country. We're going to earn a lot of money. You're going to have a lot of uh, you're going to have a lot of name recognition. You're going to have a lot of name image likeness opportunities, especially in the SEC. Is there a possibility for a very strong closing and recruiting because of this? Yes and no. Because you have to remember, there's no set date for Oklahoma to join the SEC. We know it's going to happen by 2025, but we don't, you know, it's not set in stone yet that they're, they're going to be there in 2022, 2023. So um, I I would guess it gives Oklahoma a little bit bump in this class, a little mm-hmm. bit, maybe with a guy named, you know, Amari uh, Abor, something like yeah. that, which it might be a little bit of a stretch. That's going to have to play itself out. So. Um, anyone who thinks that this is going to give Oklahoma that immediate bump with 2022 guys um, is probably kidding themselves a little bit. Outside the of maybe Tulsa? Gentry what, Williams. Yeah, what about the Tulsa guys like Gentry Williams and the uh, McClellan? But the McClellan, I'm not sure because okay, you have yeah, to remember that. Very Ohio State. Yeah, and that's the Big Ten. So um, maybe potentially playing SEC games in Oklahoma changes things a little bit. Um, I think Gentry Williams already made some comments that, you know, between this and USC, you know, all of a sudden OU's looking like a clear leader here. Yeah. Um, but for guys like McClellan and Boer, I think this is going to play out farther down the road than most people expect. I don't think it's going to happen within a week. Um, you know, they might make a comment that say, oh, that's really cool. I'm excited for OU. And I want to see what this looks like. Um, but you don't see it take effect with those guys until, you know, November and early December when you know, right. potentially this right. litigation with the SEC, you know, sorts itself out and they can give them a set date. Then also in 2023, you're probably going to get some guys that um, are a little bit apprehensive to see when Oklahoma goes to the SEC. But eventually in 2024, 2025, when you know you're going to be there as a, a student athlete, that's when you see that bump really take place. I tend to agree. I think that they'll use it more in the second national signing day when they know a lot more, but I know Lincoln right. Riley and those dudes are going to be armed to the teeth with hey, look, we have all these trophies. We're going to, we're probably going to win out for the rest of the big 12. We're going to probably take the last big 12 trophy and head on down to the sec West or whatever that pod situation is. Uh, I, I can see them using that 100%. Um, that's all I've got, but I've also want to mention that Treve has been with us in the chat, just like crazy. And, I want other people to join as well next time. For those that are listening, uh, maybe for the first time, we do these live now. And so if you are with us live, thank you. Awesome. Uh, thanks for being a part of it. 
If you're not, uh, you'll be listening to this in podcast form. Uh, it's just less interactive. So that's what we're trying to do is reach out to our followers. Um, Steve, do you have anything left to say? Uh, go join the Discord. I think you link it out to the podcast now. So yeah, I, it's I easier than ever to join. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so follow us on CrimsonOrCrimMachine.com. You guys can find us on Twitter at CC Machine. You can find Steven at OUPDATEDSB. You can find me, Kamen Robbie, at KameRobbie and CCM. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can find on any podcast app. If you guys raise five stars, that would be fantastic. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll check you guys later. <laughs>